This is episode 5 of our season on turning your portrait hobby into a portrait business. In today's episode, Eric and I discuss the things to consider while you're building your portfolio, as well as the importance of keeping that portfolio culled to put your best foot forward when reaching out to clients. Then, on Sticking Points, I sit down with Aaron Taylor to discuss the modifications he should make to his process of in-person sales. Welcome to the Portrait Session Podcast, a show for portrait photographers who want to dominate their industry. With your hosts, Erica Kay and Connor Hibbs. Hey there, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Portrait Session. My name is Connor Hibbs, and today I am joined by Miss Erica Kay. How are you doing today, Erica? I'm doing well. How are you, Connor? I'm doing pretty well, feeling nice and awake and stretched out and ready to talk about fun stuff today. All right. Well, it's a good thing, because we're about to do that. <laughs> yeah, we're about to talk about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is our first season of our new structure for the show and in this season we're talking about turning your portrait hobby into a portrait business so today we're talking about our fourth step along the lines if you haven't listened to the first couple episodes it's okay if you intentionally skip them but if not you might want to go back and start from the beginning of this season um, just to get an overview of the kind of order of operations that we've set everything out to make sure that you are setting up your business to work effectively um, so in today's episode, we are going to be talking about that fourth step, which is portfolio building and culling. So th- this is something that I thought was kind of an important step to keep a little bit separate from one of our later steps that is similar but different. And <laughs> that's in in our first episode of the season, we kind of talked about how this is a step that we I needed to put somewhere, but realistically should kind of be an ongoing thing. I think in order to even be considering building a business, you should already have some portfolio there. Um, but now that you're taking it a little bit more seriously, I think it's time to to start considering the way in which you're building. So, um, yeah, Erica, your portfolio building. Obviously, we we talked about the need for it to be an ongoing thing, but mm-hmm. um why is it particularly important when starting a business to be extra particular with your portfolio? Well, when you're first starting a business, you know, you are setting yourself up to be recognized as a professional photographer in your area. Yeah. And the really the only way to do that is to have a portfolio to show, you know, you're not going to I'm trying to think of some sort of analogy here I don't know I got nothing but (laughs) people aren't gonna hire you if you don't have a portfolio to show yeah yeah especially as you know you're a photographer they need to see your photos they need to see your work so if you don't have first if you don't have any portfolio at all that's just not gonna work and second if you don't have a very nicely cold portfolio it's just not gonna help you in the long run yeah, absolutely. I, I think that what what comes in to this stage here is not just having photos to show off that you've taken photos of other people before, but making sure that those photos are um, starting to target in on that first step that we were talking about, targeting in on the actual demographic, the type of photo that you want to be shooting, the type of work you want to be getting more work for. Um, so, so this is something that I think oftentimes when people start considering um, building a business they say okay well you know i've i've shot for whatever 6 months to a few years and i have all sorts of photos i have photos of my friend's child i have an- another photo that's like a senior headshot session um or not senior headshot session senior portrait session and um maybe maybe i've gone and second shot a wedding but it's it's kind of usually all over the board and i think right now is an important time to start taking away some of the photos that don't really apply to what you want to be doing with your portrait work um so focusing in on your brand and it's okay if you have some stuff that doesn't quite fit in perfectly here and there i mean as far as work that i do on a fairly regular basis i i shoot stuff that's not like my portfolio pretty regularly because i have somebody that looks at my work says oh i appreciate what you do could you maybe translate that type of vision to this that or the other and i'm happy to take on those jobs but i also don't want to show off that kind of work to the world because it's not the kind of work that i want to develop more of um 
So in this instance, I think that it's just it's really important to start looking at your portfolio of work that you already have and removing the stuff that doesn't apply so much to the brand that you're starting to build. And then I think that it's important to start seeking opportunities to not just capture the type of event or uh, the type of session that you want to do, but specifically trying to capture shots for your portfolio. So going into a session that is of the the variety that you're trying to build your business doing and specifically looking for something else to fill out your portfolio that's going to fit in well with everything else. So don't just run the session like it would normally run, but specifically take some time to make sure you're getting some stuff that is specifically to your needs. And what those needs are is really going to vary from person to person. But I think that that all comes down to just being super critical about your work and saying, okay, well, I have a lot of stuff that is really wide shots of uh, big environmental stuff, but I don't have anything that's close up. And for this kind of session, I think it's important for me to have both and having, having an incentive like that, that you then take onto a session to then push yourself to shoot differently and, and get new work in your portfolio. That's going to kind of look, make you look more rounded as a photographer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of people might be sitting here saying, I don't have a business. I'm so new to this. So I don't have a portfolio. What am I supposed to do now? And I would just encourage you to do portfolio building shoots, things that are specifically designed for your business, the type of clients you want to attract and the work that you want to be hired for. So if you have listen to the podcast since the beginning of the season and you know that you know what type of business you want to set up you know what type of photography or portraits you're wanting to specialize in then it's time for you to set up some shoots specifically designed with those things in mind so figure out who your clientele is figure out what kind of photography you want to shoot and then develop a portfolio building session for that or shoot for that so absolutely and this is something that you can do forever. I'm still doing stuff like this. For example, for Erica K photography, I am in the process of working with some wedding professionals here in Columbus to do a styled shoot that is like a, a an adventure elopement style shoot because I have mentioned this before. I don't remember if it was on portrait session or on the round table or what, but I've mentioned before that I'm really trying to get into kind of adventurous elopements and destination weddings more and, and things yeah. like that. So I'm actually styling and, and coming up with a fake adventure elopement that I'll be able to use in my portfolio. I'm also for UA Creative Studios, which is my studio. I am wanting to get more into lifestyle photography and be hired for lifestyle photography. So in a week from now, I'm going to be shooting. I teamed up with Columbus Food Adventures, which is a food tour company here in Columbus. And I'm going to be shooting lifestyle photos for a food tour. And it's it's just something that I put together for my portfolio. I'm teaming up with other people, obviously. So I'm going to share images with them. But it's something that I know that I want to do more of and I don't have a lot of to show right now. So I've created something and created an opportunity for me to be able to build up my portfolio in that area so that I can eventually be hired to do that type of photography. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with the idea that this is something that goes on forever and as your goals change and you want to do different things with your business or get into good graces with certain kinds of clients sometimes a a portfolio building session isn't even necessarily for the portfolio building it's for the relationships that you're making that you can then include that person in your portfolio and then their connections happen to see oh you know what this is a great shot of person i know i should go hire that person as well Um, so thinking really strategically with your portfolio of making sure that you're thinking about what that what the images you're putting in there are going to do um as far as speaking to your brand and speaking to your audience but also um helps to push you towards the the right kind of clientele. So my my example here is that because I'm doing stuff that is more and more corporate, I'm just making sure that I have a section of my online portfolio that is very corporate headshot y and I'm trying to pick and choose which photos I, I choose from that where people still look like everyday people. So it doesn't look like I can only work with professional models, but I also don't want completely awkward people. Uh, I want to make sure that the, the, they look good in a portfolio and have 
nice looking photos, but also look like everyday people, which is going to be completely different than the work that I'm doing that I'm starting to tailor a handful of shoots towards a more commercial look that I want to start pushing a commercial side of my business with. And, um, that is going to be much more themed and definitely be modelly and look like I'm trying to sell a thing. And so because of these goals, I have different ways that I'm um, removing certain images from my portfolio that maybe don't fit that vision that I'm trying to f- uh, fill and uh, be really choosy, which can be hard because sometimes you'll have a photo that you took not too long ago that you, you were super proud of. I, I have a handful of photos that I recently removed from my portfolio that are maybe six months old that when I finished them, I was super, super proud of them. And now that I'm looking at it, I realize you know, those just don't really fit my target. Those don't fit my goals anymore. And while I think that these are great examples of how I can do really good work of this variety, and maybe that could speak to a client about how I can do a little bit of everything. I I don't want that. And for my purposes, I want to appear extra specialized. And because some of those photos didn't look like they fit that vision, I had to remove them. Um, So that's, that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here is not just, um, not just including absolutely everything that you have, even if it's good work, but strategically including images here. And if you don't have a, um, a solid portfolio that fits your vision, then yeah, go out and, and specifically target. Uh, if you're doing weddings or something like find a couple that you see out there on social media or see out there in the world, or I mean, heck, even if it's a, a model and you say, you know what? she has a boyfriend, maybe I can get her and her boyfriend to do stuff. So then they'll be extra comfortable in front of each other and we can take (laughs) nice couples portraits, um, intentionally setting up sessions that you are not going to charge for to build this portfolio is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I really liked what you were talking about when you were saying that you, you know, have recently removed things from your website because calling is super important and not just for, starting people starting out and turning their hobby into a business like we we're talking about but for anybody who is photographing regularly and trying to to continue to get business you should always be looking at the photos that you're showing the world whether that's on your website or on social media removing things that no longer reflect how you shoot or what you shoot and yeah. making sure that what the world sees when they go to your website or your social media is exactly what they're going to get if they hire you absolutely and i i think that this kind of extends as you were saying not only to your website, but also to your social media. And I think that that should come into play as you're posting stuff. Um, keep in mind, I'm mainly just thinking Instagram, so I'm just going to say when posting on Instagram, um, keep in mind the fact that not only are your images going to be viewed the once in the timeline as a single mm-hmm. image, but also going to be, they're going to be viewed as a body of work. They're going to be viewed in a grid. So I, I, with my work, I tend to post stuff in threes. Um, so I'll post three photo, three of the, my favorite photos from the session. And sometimes it was a super quick session where I didn't get a bunch of stuff out. So I'll post one photo that I really like. And then two photos that I think are okay. They kind of complement each other, but maybe won't draw as much attention when viewed in that grid format. And Mm -hmm. in the instances that I have a session that had a ton of really great work and I had five images that I loved and that's not in threes. Um, Something I'll do sometimes is I will post five images and see which of those five are performing the best, not necessarily just from likes, but just response in general that I'm getting, see what seems to have resonated with people. What hasn't that can be a dangerous game to put too much reliance (laughs) on what social media says about things, but it can be a useful indicator. And um, I will then actually, instead of just deleting the posts that didn't do well, I will archive them because on Instagram you can uh, it's just in the little three dots that are to the side of the image you can archive an image and that removes it from your feed but it still keeps the post there so as as I am posting additional things I want those threes to line up well so I have a couple of different buffer areas where I'll have five images or something and as I post the first image of those three and then everything else in my grade gets offed I'll, I'll unarchive two more posts. So most of my grade goes back to normal and looks good when somebody's scrolling wow. through it. And then that is crazy. 
yeah it's 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 just an extra kind of consideration where i want to pay attention to the fact that if anybody clicks on my name they're not going to be seeing the individual photos they're going to be seeing my grid first so i want to try and maintain a nice looking grid as much as possible and realistically you're talking about two images at a time towards the top of your feed so like we'll say every fourth or fifth session that i post i'll try and post about five images so that gives me that extra buffer so i most of my grid will line up and look nice Hmm. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> had no idea you were that into Instagram. Um, I'm not. I, I very rarely log in, but when I post to <laughs> it, I try and keep in mind how I'm doing it. <laughs> wow. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, Erica, what, as far as your portfolio site goes, how do you feel about the way that it's displayed? Do you think that our portfolios um, should be something that we have scrolling through or in a grid type format? Do you have a preference for the way that you share your imagery online? Uh, like on a website? Yeah, yeah. I guess this is kind of a conversation for one of our later steps here, but I'm just, I'm a little bit interested to see for, how for, I display for, that. Like, how are, how are you paying attention to your portfolio? Are you paying attention to the way that a person reads through it? Or is it mainly just the kinds of content that you're putting in there? Mm, it's a little bit of both. So on my website, I have it as a like large image that you can s- scroll to the next image, scroll sideways to the next okay. image, yeah. not, not up and down. Um, or you can just not do anything and let it scroll automatically. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I know what you're talking about. That, that kind of horizontal carousel style. Yeah, yes, carousel. That's a good word for it. And I chose to do that because, one, I like that the image were, images were so big. Yeah. Um, I like to have big images on my website because I think they're more, they they're, they grab attention more, I think, and they're just, they stand out more. So I liked that over just a kind of a grid formation. Yeah. But I also like it because you don't have to, like you were saying with Instagram, you don't have to worry about what people are seeing as a whole when they land on that page. (laughs) They're really just seeing one large image. That being said, I do have them in an order that flows well so i pay attention to the colors the lights and darks the tones all that kind of stuff and i have them uh lined up so that when they scroll automatically or when the person scrolls through them you know the images make sense either in terms of color or style or whatever so it's not just i'm throwing a bunch of images in there and go for it i've actually taken the time to put them in an order that flows really nicely when you're looking at them yeah, that that totally hit on what I was about to ask as a follow up was if you were paying attention to the flow because I think that that's really yeah, important, for sure. especially uh-huh. especially if you're not in a grid like Instagram is going to be based on when you have work, so something like that you're you're it's kind of hard to curate to the nth degree unless you're posting a lot of like reposting old sessions and things like that. It's hard to to curate exactly how the eye flows through the tonality of your images. So mm-hmm. if you're someone who is super creative unlike me and you shoot a lot of different looks and styles of it still feels cohesive but looks very different and brighter and darker and everything like that it, it's gonna be harder to control the way that the eye reads through that mm-hmm. and in my instance i don't worry too much about it because i kind of shoot the same thing over and over it's it's dark and kind of dramatic i use essentially the same backdrop for everything um and that's I'm doing that intentionally. I'm trying to kind of brand with that look. Um, But because of that, I'm also not quite as worried about the way that the eye flows over a grid. And I I don't mind having my work displayed in a grid. But if you are a person that has that kind of variety, especially for personal websites, I think that paying attention to the flow of a a situation like that, where you have a scrolling operation, um, it, it can end up looking a lot nicer and a lot more refined than it would otherwise. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. So I, I have another question here because I remember when I started out, I, I felt like I had to have this huge, huge portfolio. And I was super concerned that I didn't look like a professional because I didn't have enough photos in my portfolio. What would you say is a good number of photos to start out with as a business for a portfolio in any given field? Well, I think... You do not need to have a ton of images in your in your website portfolio. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like as you know, just scrolling through social media, if you see a video, 
and you push play and that video doesn't capture your attention within the first like five seconds, you're moving on. Yeah. Right. It's just like that with your portfolio on your website. If you don't, if you don't have, if you can't capture somebody's attention within the first five photos on your website, they're going to move on. So pick your very, very best. Maybe that's 10 or 20 images and put them on your website. You don't need to have a ton more than that. You can easily demonstrate within 10 or 20 images, your skills, your technique, your lighting, your, you know, experience. You can, you can communicate your style of photography in 10 or 20 solid images. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't have more or can't have more, but it's not likely that people are going to continue looking after 20 images, even if your photos are really amazing. People just don't have that type of attention span today. Most people don't. You know, they, they look and it's pretty and they, they sit for 30 seconds and then it's time to move on. So in my opinion... I have maybe 20 or so images. I I don't know. I haven't rebuilt my website in a while. I'm actually in the process of doing that now. So I don't know what's on my current one, but I did not spend a ton of time picking out a ton of images because I know that the attention span just is not there. So I picked my very best, put them in an order that made sense, and that's all I need to get the job done. Yeah, I, I think especially if you're going to go the route of having a website for your portfolio, which I, I think is advisable, um, and you go the route of displaying them in a scrolling fashion where they're large and you're really only seeing one photo at a time versus a grid style, I, I think that 20 is on, on the high end even of what you might need for mm-hmm. a portfolio like that. I, I'm looking right now at my own personal um website and i have i have a separate portfolio that i have lots of images in but i built that up over a long period of time and i do regularly go back and remove stuff and i i i personally have been really hesitant to remove stuff towards the bottom of my page um that doesn't look quite the same as all the stuff at the top of the page and that's because I still like shooting stuff that's outdoors and I want to get some jobs like that. And I don't want to, I'm in a small enough town that I don't want to completely seclude myself to just the dramatic portraits that I do. But now that I'm, I'm listening to the advice that I've given, I'm realizing I should probably do that. I should probably remove the bottom half of the portfolio. We'll say I probably have 50 photos on my portfolio page. Um, yeah, maybe more. I, I don't want to count all of them. But uh, the the thing that I paid the most attention to was actually my landing page. So my um, a lot of yeah. people will have the landing page of their portfolio um, be where, where their portfolio is. For me, you have to actually click on a link to get to um, my full portfolio. And I just have a landing page that has a lot of words because I think words are important for telling the story of your brand. Mm-hmm. And on my landing page, I have seven photos. And one of those photos is me. <laughs> so so uh, realistically i'm planning um i've looked at the analytics of my site and a, a lot of people don't even bother going to my port um, portfolio my portrait portfolio they just go to my landing page and then contact me so i've i've put my favorite images that are all kind of of the same look on that portrait page and i have a little bit of variety so i have something that's a little bit more of a portrait portrait and something that's a little bit more of a headshot but both of them look kind of cohesive and similar to each other and um it's it's simple so i would say that seven to ten images is honestly if as long as they're really solid images is a really good start to a portfolio and i think it depends on what you're shooting yes seven to ten seven to ten images is probably perfect for anything but weddings i think if you're trying to yeah if you're building a portfolio for weddings i would say you need more than that because you're shooting a whole day and you have to be able to to show people that you can shoot all of those parts of the day yeah well absolutely i i would i would go as far as to say i've seen a lot of wedding photographers that will have galleries for each individual wedding and having seven to ten photos from any individual day seems to be pretty cool to me where you you have a little chunk from many different portions of the day and that seems right but if if i went to a wedding photographer's website and they had seven or ten photos total i might be a little bit concerned yeah exactly (laughs) yeah absolutely well thank you guys so much for joining us for today's conversation we're going to be back in just a second with sticking points
are brought to you by Udemy, the largest marketplace for online learning. Whether you want to learn something new or just sharpen your skills, Udemy has an extensive library of over 65,000 courses taught by expert instructors. Do you ever find yourself thinking, I wish I could do that? Well, with Udemy, you can. From web development to digital marketing to Japanese cooking classes, Udemy literally has something for everyone. While other online learning companies charge hundreds of dollars per class, Udemy courses start at just $11.99. Plus, each course comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee for risk-free learning. Every day, students around the world choose Udemy to discover new passions, expand their skills, and even change their careers. So please, improve your life through learning. Download the Udemy app to learn anytime, anywhere, or visit www.ude.my slash improve today. That's www.ude.my slash improve. Welcome back to Portrait Session. I'm Connor Hibbs. You're listening to our newest segment called Sticking Points. Every week on Sticking Points, either Erica or myself sits down with a listener just like you to discuss your goals in photography and mentor you to help get you past the things that you're feeling stuck on. If you'd like to be part of this one-on-one mentoring session, feel free to go over to our website at www.portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on the link titled Sticking Points. From there, you'll fill out a little form um, that just gives us information about how we might contact you, things that we're able to help you with and we'll get back with you and set up a time so again that's um, portraitsessionpodcast.com and click on sticking points so today i'm joined by aaron taylor how are you doing today aaron i'm doing great connor looking forward to our conversation thanks a lot yeah yeah most certainly this should be a a pretty fun one here today so so before we get into it um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are where you're coming from and where people might be able to see some of your work all right, great. Um, so I am owner, business manager, social media head, every bit of my business of Aaron Taylor Photography. Um, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. Awesome. Um, neighbors, basically, with Erica. <laughs> I visited her studio a couple times. That's awesome. Um, and actually, second shot with her. So I uh, got to meet my my podcast hero there. In <laughs> um I, uh, I focus, so my, my business basically has two different parts. I do portrait photography for kids, tweens, and teens, and then I have an educational side. Um, the educational side, I teach classes locally um, and do private mentoring, um, and I, I write a bunch on my blog about how to use your camera, how to take better photos, um, and I even uh, also have a kind of a sister site that I write for, photographerscooperative.com, where I also yeah. do some some writing about taking better photos and how to use your camera and all that. Um, the portrait side of things is what is what I want to talk to you about today. Um, I've been in business about three and a half years and gone through some pretty major transitions. I think like most people who have tried to take a hobby to a business, I started as a shoot and burn photographer, you know, charging a hundred or two hundred dollars a session and just giving away digitals. And uh came to my senses once I finally did some reading and did some learning and uh, almost a year ago made the transition to in-person sales. Um, and maybe two months ago, I- I've really felt fully confident about my business model, my pricing, how to present it to clients. Um, but I'm still working out the kinks a little bit. And, and that's what I have uh, some questions about today for you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let, let's get right on into it. Um, what's the first point of concern that you're having um, with your, your business and business model? All right. So I think like most photographers who didn't start out as business majors, it's about pricing. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> basically. So actually I, I was a high school teacher for 10 years, so I literally had no background in business. So once I started to learn about business a little bit and how to price to actually make money, that's when everything kind of uh, came together. Yeah, but, um, totally. All right. So right now I have three collections. I have a $600, $800, and a $1,000 collection. And at the $800,000 level, I kind of built in some incentives um, to get clients to maybe purchase those. So um, I haven't had anyone purchase the highest one, but I've had clients at the other two prices. Um, and... I think the the unique thing about these prices or my collections is that every penny goes to their product purchases. So I don't have 
a sitting fee or a reservation fee. Yeah. Um, I've priced my products so that it's built in to that 600 or 800 or 1,000. So my, my markup basically accounts for a reservation fee. So it guarantees that I get paid, basically. Yeah, totally. Um, so I like that idea because I think it's really clear to clients. Uh, it helps them kind of understand that all their money is going towards something. <laughs> but um, what I'm finding is, so far, clients are not purchasing beyond their collection. So if they did the $600 collection, that's about what they're spending. Yeah. If they did the $800 session, that's what they're spending. Um, and then the other thing I'm finding is based on my a la carte pricing, they kind of don't get very much for that level. You know, I've had to mark up, you know, five or six times based on what I'm paying the printer so that I can make money and pay yeah. taxes and grow my business. And so at $600, they really don't get all that much. So, Questions. <laughs> uh, well, well, bef- before you get to your questions, I I actually yeah. want some clarification before we even get to to the question side. So, in, in each of these packages that you're selling, um, I, I I was a little bit confused about. Um, you say that you have the collections at that price, but then um, purchases are a la carte. Um, so so how how are th- how is that working together? So you're just saying that they come in and say, okay, we want a $600 package and you have things already laid out for them as, okay, in the $600 package, these are the things you're getting, or is it just, these are options at that price point that you can get. Um, how, how is this being presented to the client based on that? All right. So um, they actually can choose whatever they want at that level. So I have, you know, a big price list of, you know, my, my, Prints with Matt board, my signature books from Miller's, my albums, the, I have, I sell standouts from uh, white house custom color. So they actually get to decide what that $600 goes to. They could even decide to spend it on digitals. Digitals okay. are my most expensive thing. Um, but they get to pick. So if they, if they want to do a, a wall art gallery, put that $600 towards wall art. If they're really just looking for an album and some loose prints, put that $600 or that $800 towards that. So they get to decide. Um, the collections really are just there, I guess, to try and, and I guess that's why I'm coming to you with questions is, um, you know, to get them to maybe spend more based on the incentives. Um, I, I give a handful of, of digitals with each collection. So I think they get three at 600, they get six at 800 and they get 10 at a thousand. Okay. So that's the other part of it is they get some guaranteed digitals. Um, but uh, again, like what I'm seeing is they're picking a collection and just spending that much. They're not, they're not going above, even if I give them the incentive of more digitals or more, uh, you know, a, a price discount on purchases above that. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's, I, yeah. So, so the, the thing that gets me there is that it, I, I don't blame a client for not then going and purchasing more after the fact, because essentially what you're telling them up front is that for $600, that's a package and you're going to be happy with that. So if they decide on a $600 package, they're already entering into this equation. They're entering into this process thinking I'm going to spend $600. So it doesn't matter even if after the fact you're like, okay, well, um, if you actually spend $800 or a thousand dollars, um, you're going to be getting this much more because now I'm trying to entice you into a higher package. Um, I, I think, that if you're going to be going with packages, um, those sales are being, or that, um, the benefits of going for a higher package needs to be very apparent right at the front. So I think that um, in saying that, okay, well, if you buy the $600 package, you can apply this to um, X, Y, or Z. You can do a, a book or standouts or whatever it might be. Um, when you're when you're doing that, they're already thinking in their head, okay, well, I'm going to spend $600 and I'm going to get one of these things. And you can't then after the fact say, well, look at how beautiful your photos are. Um, wouldn't you rather spend $800? Because in their mind, they're approaching the sales session at the end um, where they're choosing their items with this dollar amount in mind. So when you say, well, you chose the $600 package, this is what you get for $600. They're going to say, oh, well, okay, if that's all I get, this is the thing that I'm going to choose for that price point because they already have in their mind that they don't want to sell more or they don't want to spend more than that. Um, so, so it's, it sounds to me like you're kind of setting yourself up in a, a hybridization of in-person sales versus um, well, not shoot and burn, but uh, prepackaged type bundles and things like that. Um, 
And and I think that the, the problem here, when you're setting up packages, you're setting the expectation that they're, that's all they're going to spend. Where if you instead approach the the planning session the the ahead of time and just say, hey, these are prices for things here. Um, my average family would spend whatever you, you want to tell them your average family spends. Um, on my website, I actually tell people that their average spend is going to be between a thousand and twenty five hundred dollars. So they, before they've even booked anything with me, they know, okay, well, I need to be ready to spend somewhere in here. And then I'll kind of just tailor based on what they're interested in, um, and make sales based on that. And my, my prices can actually fluctuate just a little bit where if they're really dead set on, whatever, a 20 by 30 print and two smaller 10 by 10s or something like I, I, that, that was made up off the top of my head. But if they wanted something like that, um, even if, if they come to me, if they come to me and say, Hey, all I can afford to spend is a thousand dollars. And I look at my pricing and the way that I have stuff set up and say, okay, well I have for those, for that package, we'll make up the numbers and say it would total out to being $1,200. I could say, all right, well, if, if you're coming to me with $1,000, if you pay that up front, so I'm guaranteed the money right away, um, I could maybe work with you on that extra $200 and give you a discount or something like that, um, where I am then including um, price breaks and stuff based on the incentives that are going to benefit me in my business without cutting too much into my bottom line. Um but if, if I'm approaching them and saying, okay, well, you have, um, my packages started at $1,000, so I have one package that's $1,000, one that's $1,200, and one that's $1,500, or something like that, and they say, okay, well, I have $1,000, I'm not going to then be able to convince them, like, okay, well, in in the instance where I say, all right, well, I'm giving you a price break here, could, um, but would you maybe be interested in a small album or something like that? Then they go, you know what? Yeah, like you're giving us a really good deal here. So I'm going to spend a little bit more money. And realistically, it ends up balancing out for me. Where if, if I've set up the expectation of $1,000, 2500 or 1500 they're going to come in and say, all right, I want $1,000. And then when I say, well, you could get more for the 2500 they go, yeah, I know, because you offered a package that was um, 1200 and then another package that was 1500. Um, so I, I think that with in-person sales, you have to make it more about custom tailoring everything to them rather than setting out a specific price point. Um, they will tell you what their, their high end budget is and they might even find some wiggle room in there. If you, re if they realize like, Oh, but I really do want this as well. But if you set the expectation of price, solidly at a certain amount ahead of time, you're going to find trouble with um, getting them to spend any more than that. Right. And that's what I'm finding. So that makes sense. You know, one of the things I was thinking was, um, and this is, I think what a lot of people do is just say, um, instead of packages, say, here's a deposit or a down payment you have to make to, yeah. to, you know, reserve, reserve the session essentially. And then like you said, describe, okay, well, here's what most families spend if they want, a wall art gallery, or here's what most families yeah. spend if they're looking to create gifts for grandparents for the holidays or whatever, and, and kind of give them not so much um, packages at different price points, but just say, here's an average cost. If you're looking for this, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, and that would be something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw out the, here's what people spend for this. Here's what people spend for that. I would say, okay, I would find out what they're wanting first. And then, um, put to like then give them the rough price point of what they're wanting is. So in, instead of um, breaking stuff down, so it, it, it seems like really like overly specific about the, the timing in the way in which you're, you're doing these things. But I want to, I want to make sure that I can tailor whatever I'm going to be doing to specifically what they're looking for. So that's why uh, the right, pre-planning right. session, I, I will say you can expect to spend between, um, $1,000 Well, that's a pretty big gap there. And if they come in and say, okay, mm -hmm. well, we have $1,200. I can say, all right, well, based on that, let's talk about what you need based on your needs. Here's the way that I can maximize on what you're, I can sell you exactly that dollar amount. And here's the way that I can tailor stuff that is going to benefit my business. Um, while also giving you the quote unquote most that I could possibly give you for that amount of money. Um, so, right. so I, I having, having general ideas of what, what people are going to spend for different kinds of things is a good idea at the same time. Very rarely, if you say, okay, a, a small wall gallery is going to cost $1,500. Very rarely are people going to just say, 
oh, okay, I can spend $1,500 unless that's totally within their budget. <laughs> and the problem is, right. what if they were coming to you with the idea of, oh, we were thinking it was going to cost 2500 So if you find out what they're looking for, what their budget is, you can then tailor the package specifically to them. If they say, well, what should I expect to spend on this? That's when you would throw out that, those numbers. But it, it's all about having transparency and being um, forthright with the cost that they're going to have. But at the same time, you want to be a little bit reserved. You don't want to throw it out immediately because you're going to shoot your in the foot one way or the other you're either going to scare them off by having prices that are way way higher than what they were wanting to spend and not have them realize that oh no i could actually work with you um i can't give you the twenty five hundred dollar gallery for a thousand dollars but i can maybe give you a twelve hundred dollar gallery for a thousand dollars because it's going to fit well in your home and that's not going to kill me one way or the other right okay that makes sense yeah so basically i think you clarified for me, I'm basically shutting the door on sales by giving yes, them exactly like by, by making them kind of pick their budget up front. Whereas uh, I want to keep that door open. So it's more about having a conversation and saying, okay, what are you looking for? Here's what the average family spends. And we'll start working things out specifically between the two of us. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and that makes sense. The, the other thing to, to consider here is that when you set out, a number of packages. Like if you're going to go with a package route, which I, I honestly, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do it that way. Um, I, I think that there's a very valid reason to do that because then you know exactly what you're, what you're shooting for ahead of time in a way that you can prepare yourself. Even if they decide, Oh, I'm going to bump up a little bit. If you have X, a certain number of things that are available at each of these price points, you could shoot a $600 session at, um, with the hopes that maybe you might be able to convince them to go to the $800 um, because, of the, because of the way that you've shot for a certain type of product or something. Um, but something to keep in mind is that when you set out packages like that, you're also setting up the precedent of uh, the high end is the luxury item, the thing that not many people get, mm-hmm. but that it, like if we have money, we can spend stuff on that. So you're automatically driving people by having three prices. You're automatically driving people to the middle or the bottom. Um, right. And, and the only way to really overcome that is to have uh, a bottom that is really insufficient compared to the middle and the top. So then people move up to the middle, but then they, they say, okay, well, the top is way more than what we think we need. And honestly, people aren't going to know that off the top of their head. If, if, if you just tell them right, right. Um, for $800, you're going to get one piece of uh, one piece of wall art. That's whatever size. They're not going to necessarily know if that's big, small, whatever. They're just going to go, okay, well, that seems fine. Because to a a normal person, an 8x10 seems like a big print. Uh, Correct. You have (laughs) an 8x10 hanging over their their couch on the wall behind them. That's going to seem incredibly, incredibly small. Um, So so they're looking to you for guidance on um, what size they should go with. And you just need to keep in mind, if you're going to package things out, um, that people are going to automatically be drawn to the lower middle areas. Um, when, not that I do a lot of weddings, but all of my wedding pricing has been very specifically set out for, I do not plan to sell my, my bottom package. I, I weigh, I give way too little for my bottom package and I don't expect to sell my top package. So I actually have four packages and I just expect people are going to go for the middle two. And I've specifically set it up so that the middle two are the most, most profitable areas for me. I, I mean, my bottom package would be the most profitable because I'm barely giving them anything, but I'm not count. I'm just using that as a way to push them into the middle where I'm actually going to be happy working for that amount. So it, it's not to say that your idea of uh, pre-selling them into a certain level is a bad idea. It's just to say that if you're doing that, you have to make sure that a, you're giving them something that they're truly going to be happy with and b realize that they're never going to go for the top. Very rarely are they going to go for your top package and that they're going to sit somewhere in the middle. Right. And, you know, I like what you said too. kind of think about it this way. Um, you know, if they want twelve hundred dollars worth of wall art, but they only have the budget for a thousand. If I've priced myself correctly, I can create that wiggle room for my st- myself and still make money. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's something I hadn't thought of. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think with that. Um, just keep in mind that you're you're not pricing everything at twelve hundred dollars and just saying nah, I can do it for a thousand. You have to have some reason that you would be doing it for a thousand, something that's going to actually benefit you. So saying like if you pay right. today, I could do it for a thousand or something like that. Where where 
okay, well, maybe I'm losing a little bit money in the end, but um, if they were going for $1,200, I could potentially do it and set up payment plans and have them pay me over a certain amount of time and order the prints after they've covered the cost of the prints and then just continue to pay me. Well, do I want that yeah. or would I rather have the money up front? There, there are ways that you could go about doing this where you say, all right, I could strike you a deal if, if you're doing something that's going to benefit me and my business as well. Right. Makes sense. All right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, that uh, that's definitely helpful. I think you... I was kind of thinking along those lines and you definitely <laughs> clarified and solidified uh, some of the weaknesses that I had in my pricing plan. So I appreciate that. Perfect. Uh, I, I'm really glad right. to hear about that. Um, is there anything else that you want to kind of hit on with this before we wrap this episode up? Um, I want, can I, I want to ask you this question about having a physical studio. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Especially <laughs> um, as someone who's, gone away from a day job and turned photography into their full-time job. Um, I, I still have a day job. I'm a high school teacher. And, uh, so I do this on the side. And so everything that I do basically store in the trunk of my car or on a shelf at home and I pick it up and move it where it needs to be. If I'm doing the consult or the reveal or whatever. So, um, I, I have enjoyed going to people's homes and kind of doing the, especially the sales session there, because it lets them look at the walls we're going to put stuff on and they can really, you know, visualize it a little better. But because I have to travel with everything, all of my samples are small. I mean, not the albums. I have big albums, but those yeah. are portable. But, <laughs> um, you know, the wall art that I take with me, I think I, I'm bringing along a 10 by 15 because yeah. I just don't want to you know, a bring like three huge 20 by thirties, um, cause they won't fit and I don't want to ruin them. Um, of course. but, uh, I just feel like I would have such an easier time selling bigger pieces and being more comfortable showing why big pieces are great. If I had a studio space and I could even see the benefit of having a studio space because like I can set the mood. Um, it feels like an event, you know, yeah, I'm not absolutely. showing up at someone's house and just kind of, trying to fit an hour into their normal schedule. Like this is something they've put on their calendar. I'm visiting Aaron Taylor's studio. Um, you know, it's like something special in their life rather than just me heading to their house. Um, so I want to know, like, I can't think of an in-person sales photographer that doesn't have a studio space. I imagine it's probably possible. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that? Like, can I have success with this model without even having like an office space? You, you know, there, I suppose that there are a couple of different ways to look at it because yes, um, if you have a space, then you can have larger wall art um, up so people can see exactly what these sizes are. You can also show them what the sizes are and people have a tendency to buy the thing that they can see. Um, so if you're showing them little tiny prints, the eight by 10 canvas or something like that, just for the sake of ex explaining what the material is they're not going to be as inclined to buy something that large buy something that's a you know a 30 by 40 or something like that um when you're showing them an 8 by 10 they're going to want something that's the size that you see um so there there are yeah. two schools of thought here you either have a space in which you have real size prints up so they can see exactly what those are um and see ha have the emotional connection with the size and the feel of it and go oh okay maybe that is worth that much because a 30 by 40 is pretty massive in comparison to a a 24 by 30 or something like that it, it's mm -hmm. it's a big big difference where when you're looking at the numbers it doesn't sound like it's too much of a difference um and yeah you have the other advantages of being able to make it more like event but it also has some disadvantages for one you're going to have more people trying to come in with, um, if it's a, a family, they're going to come in with just the mom. And even if you say, no, both, both people need to be present here. Realistically, you're going to have to constantly fight with people trying to just get one person in and not both of them. And that's going to make sales much harder because even if they come in and say, oh, you know what? Well, my husband told me that it's totally fine if we max out at the $2,500 at the same time, 
you don't know that because once the once you say all right well what you've decided on is twenty five hundred dollars they're gonna go oh maybe i should call my husband before this and then say oh Uh you know what like maybe not we'll come back another day i'll tell him that i really liked it and the problem is you're not going to have people coming back you want the both parties there to see the to feel the emotional side of this and really see the sides and make the decision together that they can afford this and that it's worth that price so having having a location where people have to travel to then they're going to have to find a babysitter they're it's going to make life harder where if you're willing to go into their homes the biggest thing that i would say is if if you're going to go into their homes and you have sample sizes and everything you need to also bring a projector with you because then you can not Mm -hmm. only look at the walls and look at the wall space uh, but you could literally project at the sizes that that you're talking about so there are actually pieces of software that allow you to do this You, you set up and essentially calibrate the um, projector for the certain size of the wall and everything like that. But then it'll actually project at the full size on their wall and they can see, Oh no, it really is worth it in that instance. And we like this material over that. So, so it's just kind of one way or the other. I think that you could totally do it without having a studio. Um, but you need to set yourself up for success with that by, by having something that you can actually specifically show the actual sizes and show the images uh, of their family at the actual sizes on their wall. So they say, oh, you know what? It really is worth the extra money for a 30 by 40 over a 20 by 30 um, because both of those have a, a 30 in it. So you think, oh, OK, it's the same size. Well, it's not the same size. It's it's half the size. Um but a person's not going to necessarily realize that until they see it in person. So that that would be my my take with that. Yeah, you know, and so I use Fundy Designer, and that's one of those programs that allows you to project and calibrate on their walls. And uh, I just need a projector. That's uh, as part of this being like a side business. I it's one of those pieces that I just haven't bought yet for the business. But uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you're totally right. That's that's been like top three purchases that I need to make, and uh, that might be one of those things that kind of makes those those bigger pieces of wall art easier to sell yeah and and that's that's the thing i mean it's it's a big chunk of money to spend money on a decent projector because you definitely want to have something that's going to be bright enough that's going to show in a a resolution that looks beautiful um and those those kinds of projectors get really expensive but if you're if you're all in on in person sales and you're not bringing them into your space you're going to their space i think that it's more than going to pay for itself within a handful within a sale or two um, by being able to upsell with showing somebody the actual size i think that that should be high 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 on your priority list of things to buy next right yeah no camera gear is not high on the priority list it's all (laughs) stuff to try and sell (laughs) um yeah yeah. no that 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 makes sense yeah definitely what i'm i'm definitely in all in on in-person sales because the first time that a session that normally would have brought in about two fifty, when it brought in nine fifty, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do an hour and a half extra work for seven hundred more dollars. That sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely for, all in for that much more money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's and 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 there are some serious advantages to doing in person sales, um, especially if it fits within the rest of your business model and shooting families and whatnot. That, that's a perfect instance in which in person sales works very very well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for coming and joining us today. I, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us. I hope that I got to answers that are actually going to help benefit you and your business. And thank you all that are listening today. I hope everybody has a great rest of your day. Talk to you later. Portrait Session is a part of the Master Photography Podcast Network, which can be found at masterphotographypodcast.com. Our intro music was written and produced by our good friend, Seth Munson. If you like our show, please consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes to help other photographers find it as well. Past episodes and additional educational content can be found on our show's website at portraitsessionpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for listening.